Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Oh, Nana. What's my name? <laughs> Well get done. Get I it? do. I absolutely do. Yeah. That was a good choice. I liked it. <laughs> it was going to be that or Jacques. Jacques, yeah. Yeah. No. But, yeah. Oh, no, no, what's my name? That oh, no, solid. no, what's my name? <laughs> yeah. My totes. I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh. I don't even remember this movie. <laughs> You don't? <laughs> Everything is such a fog. I'll get there. I'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Because, because <laughs> you might notice our voices sound a little different. A little different. This because... is episode what? 117. Whoa. And Mita, you and I went two and a half years almost without getting COVID. Mm-hmm. And now we both have COVID. And now we both have COVID. <laughs> Well, it was like... nice while it lasted, but here we are. <laughs> here we are now. With the vids. Entertain us. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I actually, I'm pretty proud of my streak. It, that's yeah, me like too. a good time. I remember a few months ago, probably in like March, I think, I went to like a work event for the first time mm-hmm. and I went um, and one of the requirements at that time was like being tested before you entered the space. And when I was being administered my rapid test, I was like asking all these questions. The person administering was like, have you not taken one? And I was like, no, this is my first one. And they were like utterly shocked that I had yet to have taken a rapid test. And I was negative at that time, but I can no longer say that. No, it was inevitable, right? Like, I think at some point we were all going to get it. And I, at some point I was also just like, why aren't they getting it? Because I was, I wasn't like reckless. Yeah, you were reckless. (laughs) Get out. You were out there. You were at raves. Yeah, exactly. I was at raves. I was licking poles. I was doing all of it. But no, I went to the movies. I went out. I wasn't masking when I didn't have to. Like it was, I was out, but I was responsible. Like I did wash my hands. I did wear a mask in most public spaces and Mm -hmm. still didn't. So for whatever reason, I didn't catch it. And I think... Mita and I got it at the same work event we went to. Yeah. So. It is what it is. We're not the only ones who got it too, so. No, it was actually, yeah. there was, I'd call it a bit of a outbreak. Yeah. They said, they said it was like 4%, but that feels wrong. I also don't know how they calculated that because like. That number. Yeah. I didn't, like, uh, for instance, I didn't have a manager, like a direct manager at that event so I didn't report it to them. So like, how would they know? I think, like, I think they've tried to calculate it. It definitely is more than that because a lot of people haven't said that they have it, like, yeah. publicly either. So yeah, I didn't add to that thread. I didn't feel yeah, like it was exactly. Neither yeah. did I. So it was it a guesstimate, in my opinion. But let's talk our individual COVID experiences. <laughs> <laughs> my, I had some paranoia, so I was testing every day. Yeah. Um, and I was testing negative. And our last day there, our work event was outside of Ottawa. I was in Montreal. Um, and our last day there, I woke up with like a little bit of a tickle and my voice was gone. But we also had gone to a party the night before. And so I was just and like, Mita oh. was a little tipsy everywhere. Yeah. Mita, <laughs> let me tell you about pineapple tequilas. They are so good. If you are at a party and they have pineapple juice at the bar, you get some tequila in that pineapple juice. But also, this place was serving us Patron, which is like... Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just like your mom's tequila. Um, (laughs) And so, I had had a good time the night before. And so, Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, maybe it's just that. I'm not sure. So, I took a test and it was negative. And I was like, okay, I'm going home. Like, I'm going to go on this train. And uh, while sitting on the train, you know when you have like you a cold, feel it. you yeah. feel. I was like, "Oh, it's here." <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking it to like the first time that I got my period, and like I knew something was wrong. Something yeah. was wrong while I was sitting on that train. And so the second I got home, I got home, I opened the door. My dad was like, "Let me take your bag." I was like, "No, don't touch my bag," because yeah. <laughs> I was like, "I think I have COVID." And he's like, "You probably don't. Go take a shower." So I took a shower, and I. Still was like feeling a little clammy so I tested 
And then it was there in front of me. And so luckily I hadn't gone around the house at all. Like I literally went from the front door up to my room and I've been up in my room and in my office since I have not gone to the downstairs of this house whatsoever and have to keep my mask on when I'm in the hallway and uh, I'm trying to protect my dad. (laughs) So yeah. But it's actually kind of been nice for me because he's been my butler, I've been saying. <laughs> um, so he'll bring food to my door and I'm getting like snacks brought to. Right now I have this lovely cup of cherries. I just had a pizza delivered to me. So I'm kind of like enjoying COVID life, but I do really want to go outside and like move around a little bit and not have yeah. to wear a mask. That's the thing. I don't want to go outside and wear a mask because I feel like that's just going to suck but then in terms yeah in terms of my symptoms that first night was like really the worst i was really i had a fever i was sweating tons i was achy um and then since then just like any kind of cold this the symptoms have been going away so Mm -hmm. being vaccinated three times probably helped with that probably did yeah yeah what about you i saw you saturday morning when you were feeling a little achy. Yeah. And then I, on Sunday evening, had that feeling where I was just like, oh, something's, something's off, off here. Something's, you know, that just, that's a malaise, but not full malaise, just like the onset of malaise. Yeah. Of like, oh, something's developing. So I took a test on Sunday night. It came back negative, And I was just like, all right, maybe I'm just tired. Because it was, I, I, I had like an exhausting three weeks. And the conference itself was really quite tiring it was yeah. like day to night so i wouldn't be surprised if it was just like exhaustion but that night i felt feverish and i felt like it's it started to like settle in mm-hmm. like really nicely and then i took a test on monday morning in montreal and we were planning to come back anyway and it came out negative until a little later, the faintest line hmm. of a positive test result. And we were like, okay, it's time to get out of here. So we wrapped up everything, got home. And by the time we were like close to home, I was just like, I need a bed right now. Yeah. So it's kind I of been on and off. Sorry? I just want to sleep. I just want to lie down and sleep. Yeah. yeah. So it's been kind of on and off for me. But I've had some really weird symptoms, including... So I had a fever and I didn't have a serious fever but I had chills and I had I had really bad headache Mm -hmm. and I attended a work meeting on Tuesday it was like an emergency meeting I had to do and I was sitting on the bed and I could I just felt sore in my back and then I had a coughing fit and my back seized up and I mean like my lower back I've I've had this issue where I think I slipped a disc before and this was in 2017 and it it hasn't really reared its head until now and I couldn't I can't I couldn't move I couldn't walk I was like on my back and I had no idea how I was supposed to move around and so that has been like bugging me kind of on and off and so right now I'm not in my sound studio (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nadim records that was, in a closet that was, that was good timing I said yeah. sound studio meet this at closet they're one and the same but I, I wasn't able to do that so that's why the sound might be a little funny for this episode from me and I apologize for that because I have to sit in a chair regularly and the mic is actually quite far from my face so I do apologize if this is funny but this is the best I can do and so the ache is still there it's not spasming but I'm going like straight to bed after we're done recording and we'll see what it's like and I think I'm just like tired. Yeah. I'm just I feel like, you on the exhaustion. Like yeah. I, I woke up today and I kind of felt good. I was like, oh, like I'm probably at like 92%. Like I'm I'm feeling really yeah. good. But then by like 11 a.m. I was like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> like I need, I need a nap. I so I think it's one of those my, things that we're going to have to But just on. to add insult to injury, both of my kids are COVID positive now. My wife somehow has avoided it which is bizarre. She says she doesn't have a fever, but she does have like a, a, a scratchy throat. But both of my kids have had like high fevers and cranky and just Hers everyone is, is gross. Maybe, yeah, I hope, yeah. to be quite honest, I hope it is. I it's hope staggered. it is and it's out of the way. Yeah. I don't want to have this happen like next week or two weeks from now or whatever it is. Just like, yeah. let's move on with this. Let's get it done. But our house is a disaster. Everything is messy. And you know, that, that, 
you shouldn't be focusing on those things when you're sick, Mm -hmm. but they also add to the feeling of being sick. So it's hard to manage. I know my room is like not in the best shape right now, but I'm also like, I don't have the energy to like clean up. Oh my God. No energy to do that. Yeah. But now it's, and I think like, I also have to do laundry and I don't know how I'm going to do my laundry. What do you mean? Like you don't know how to use the machine? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to go downstairs and use oh, the yeah. machine with my clothes that have COVID all over them. <laughs> it's not. It's not like they have dog shit on them. They have That's COVID like, all over yeah, them. COVID cooties. They have the cooties. <laughs> You'll figure it out. No, but like, yeah, I br- pretty much brought all my suitcase because we were isolating at one point because mm-hmm. my kids didn't have it. And then eventually when my kids got it, we were just like, well, that's a free for all now because we're all around the house. We're all just around the house. So we're just hoping to like ride out the wave and move on with it. Yeah. There's nothing else we can do. I know someone who got it and they had a camping trip planned and they went ahead with their camping trip because it was just them and their family. And they're like, well, if we all get it, we'll just all get it in the woods. (laughs) So, yeah. I would like to say my wife and I had tickets to see Hamilton tomorrow Mm. and uh, I had to refund them. I'm just going to go into this really briefly. We bought like a season passes to like Broadway across Canada. Mm -hmm. And Hamilton was the big lure because it was, this was back in 2019. We bought these tickets and they were meant to be seen in 2020. And then because of COVID, it's been postponed three times. Yeah. And so suddenly we were like, oh, it's coming this summer. We're going to do it. They initially did it for my son's birthday, and we were like, well, that's it's not going to work, so let's do it for another day. Yeah. So we did it for uh, July 29th, and then COVID fucked that up. And so now, I'm, now me Maybe and my wife are like... Maybe you're just not meant to see we're it. We're not destined to see this, Hamilton, this musical. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch it on Disney+. Plus. It's not the same, <laughs> But it's also not the same because it's not that original... Like, I feel that like... That doesn't matter. But there's a difference between live musical versus, like, a recorded version yeah. of it. I guess so. I don't want to see a recorded version of it. I've seen it. I loved it. I know, but you'd probably love the real thing more. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. like, I'm not going to deprive myself from, like, seeing what the hype is all about. Fair enough. Yeah. Speaking of hype. <laughs> <laughs> the hype on this film, let me tell you. <laughs> the hype on Emil Zola. Oh, Emil. Oh, Emil. Yeah. We watched the, yes. um, this is our 10th. This is the 10th Academy Award winning film. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Wow. This is number D. This is a whole decade. We've done a whole decade of film that have won Best Pictures, which is pretty exciting. But yeah, Yeah. this week we watched the 1937 film, The Life of Emile Zola. Uh Yeah. Shall I give us a quick IMDb discra before we talk about it? Please. Yes. Please do. The biopic of famous French... What's muckracking, Mita? What is muckracking? I didn't write the description. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let me read it now, actually. Okay. The biopic of the famous French muckracking writer and his involvement in fighting the injustice of the Dreyfus affair. That's an accurate description an of what the life of Emile Zola is. Yeah. When you see the Dreyfus affair, do you not automatically think of Richard Dreyfus? Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> <laughs> or Julia Louis. <laughs> yeah. I actually think of Richard Dreyfus, not yeah. Julia Louis. The whole time I was like, oh, I wonder if he's in this. <laughs> he's old enough. I don't Did think he is. Did you know actually. about any of these things before? So, no. <laughs> I, I, the Dreyfus affair sounded familiar to me, but mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it. Had no idea who Emile Zola was. Yeah. But this movie does have the famous, it involves the famous writings of Jacques. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Jacques <laughs> been used multiple times before. So that, that excited me. But that was yeah. like the extent of what I knew about this at all. I also didn't know like timeline of when this was or anything like that. What about you? No, nothing. I had no clue what this was about. I had no clue about the movie. I had no insight into this. And so I went into it blind and I watched it with COVID. I watched it with COVID too. I watched this with a fever. So (laughs) with a fever, that's dangerous. With a fever. I mean, I had to get it done. Yeah. And then I thought about rewatching it because we did delay our recording a bit, but then I also watched Miss Marvel instead on Disney Plus. That's reasonable. So I, get that. I made my choice. Yes, you did. Yeah, there we go. So tell us your thoughts. So 
I think like my general observation, maybe my thesis for this is like, what components do you think make for a good film that's going to show you the life of someone and someone that is nonfiction? What needs to be so, like, and th- I, I, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm also trying to wrap my mind around films that I've seen that are about real people. And like, if there are any that are good, <laughs> if there are any that I like, mm-hmm. and I can't think of any in like recent times, at least where I'm like, oh, this is a good yeah. biopic. Aaron Brockovich. Oh. <laughs> Again, COVID, guys. Yeah. Aaron Brockovich is stunning. <laughs> the film is stunning. But yeah, she might be the exception is, to the rule. Right? Because, like, I also thought about, like, what has won performances lately? And, like, it's things like The Iron Lady or even things <laughs> like The King's Speech and, like... Yeah. Things that have, like, really historical weight to them. Because, yes, Aaron Brockovich is, you know, is great and amazing and one of my favorite movies of all time. But it also came out, it's a modern story that came out in a modern time. So it's, like, very similar. You're watching things that are very similar to you. So, like, I can't imagine, you know, like, thousands of years from now, if someone is going to watch Aaron Brockovich, what are they going to think about Aaron Brockovich at that time? Whereas, like... This is during a very specific time in history and these like historical nonfiction stories can be really lackluster. Like the first thing that came to mind to me was like watching something like Lincoln, which was just so boring and so bland. And so I just like what I guess my first question is like, why Emil first? Why is this called the life of Emil Zola? I feel like this should be called the Dreyfus affair. But then also, why Emil Zola? Like, why? Why? I think I see the why. I think he was he was influential in... He was a freedom fighter in a way, right? Like, he yeah. really did try to... I, I Look, and this is purely based on the movie, because I, I don't have any other knowledge of who Emil Zola was or anything. But he was a truth seeker, and he fought for justice. And if you think about what he did with the Dreyfus affair and how he pursued that and what he tried to do. It is actually quite interesting, the story. Did you not find it interesting? I find the act, the history interesting. I find like when this took place, what was happening, that I all find interesting. I think I had a hard time compelling myself to the film itself, which is not to say that I didn't like it. I just couldn't get into this story. Like I was finding myself wanting to go to the Wikipedia article or wanting to like look up things mm-hmm. a little bit more to kind of understand it because I also feel like there is a responsibility in terms of like accuracy and I could tell from watching it I was like I don't think this might exactly be how things played out. I think I think when we talk about the time period that the movie was made in so 1937 yeah 1937-6 whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> I think accuracy, while it's, we talked about this with the great Ziegfeld as well, right? Like, while you can look up things now, you can Wikipedia them, like, there's no, there's no excuse for lack of research now. Mm-hmm. But back then, it definitely was a little bit harder to find the, to, to do that research and be accurate. So you kind of have to give it a grain of salt that there is, or there are things that are going to be inaccurate in this. I think the thing that I was trying to give the film space with was the writing itself is very weak. Yeah. The dialogue specifically, it's very on the nose. Like the scenes are very much on the nose and the, the it's and not as bad as something like, was it the Broadway melody that had really on the nose dialogue? Like about taking off their dresses? <laughs> <laughs> We watched a movie recently that had really like on the nose dialogue, and it was almost like it was hard. Oh, Wayne's Cavalcade. Caval- oh, Cavalcade. Yeah, it wasn't that <laughs> bad. It wasn't that bad. I think it's difficult because when we watch movies like this, we are comparing how they write and how they film these films now. So if we were to watch a modern day biopic of the Iron Lady, for instance, and I don't, I didn't like the Iron Lady, and I don't think Meryl Streep deserved a third Oscar for it. That's yeah. my opinion. But mm-hmm. that movie is still a modern-day biopic, and it's filmed as a modern-day biopic. 
I feel like if this story, The Dreyfus Affair, was refilmed as a modern film, the entire framing and how this movie would be done would be so different. Your focuses and what you're talking about and everything would just be different. Everything would be a little bit more sophisticated. And that sophistication is definitely lacking here. And do you mean like... Sorry to interrupt. Do yeah, you yeah. The, the When you say modern, though, do you still mean like set in the 1800s? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean a modern adaption of it. So like yeah. a 2022 adaption of an 1800s movie. There is, there is much more of a sophistication these days than there was in the 30s. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about in like set dressing and things like that. I'm really just talking just in storytelling and direction. Those mm-hmm. two aspects that I think would really change this. So when I was watching this, I was like, okay, this isn't how I would make this now. And this isn't how it would get made now. But... I can see why this was made. I can see why it was appreciated. And I think I can appreciate it for what it was. Hmm. I feel like you don't feel that way. I think I was in a fever (laughs) when I watched this. And so, like, I did find myself um, needing... The other part of this is that this was only available on YouTube. Like, somebody uploaded on YouTube. Thank you. (laughs) Because it's not... It was the only place to find it. Yeah. Which kind of baffles me, like... Why? Like, yeah. I would I would assume, and there's another movie that's going to come up for us. I think Gigi. Gigi is the other one that we can't find anywhere. And I wound up having to, like, buy a DVD buy that has, like, four different movies on it. But, like, why are things that have this, like, renown to them? Like, this is a Best Picture winner. This is mm-hmm. the 10th Academy Award Best Picture winner. And you can't find it available. And I think that kind of says something about it, though. Like, it, it again, it doesn't have this lasting impression on people. How can you say that when something like Cavalcade is available? But, the, like, but this is what I'm noticing from, like, watching all these older ones. And I think I said this before. It's just, like, it's kind of odd to me that they're not standing the test of time and i think i am i am kind of still in that like culture of like it's an academy award winning film like it should be this like penultimate film that we all know and we all love yeah i think as we go on i think i'm gonna start to resent the academy more and more more. really yeah what makes you i don't know like i mean young me took the Academy Awards as like Bible. Like if yeah. that was, if it won, then it was a great film. I didn't even need to see it. I knew it because like it has that name with it. But like older me in the most recent years have noticed like, okay, it's more of a game. Like, you know, people are campaigning for certain things and you have to play at certain festivals and you have, yeah. people have to do interviews and like things like that. And so sometimes things that will actually wind up getting nominated or even winning don't necessarily kind of, deserve the win and it's easy to see that in the light of today because i'm living it but i just had this notion and i don't know why and i i do need to break it down that like the films of this time they would be able to stand the test of time they would be these like marvelous things to watch and that we would take like it's like when you the expectations i had watching citizen kane everybody calls it the greatest film ever made so why am I not seeing this in these films as well? But I had a really hard time, like, getting into this one. And I do find, like, his story interesting. I think historically, like, he's very fascinating. And I spent a good amount of time just, like, looking at his Wikipedia page. I'm not absorbing any information. These days my brain feels a little bit like mush. Yeah. COVID is kind of killing me. But I, like, I still have his Wiki page open and, like, was reading a little bit more about him. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie does, like, specifically focus on the Dreyfus affair. And I I feel like the movie itself would probably be better fit to if it just focused on that. If it just told us like the story of this, uh, of this treachery and how that all played out. But I do get why they do that. I do get why we have that like 40 minute build up to this because otherwise, who is this man? And like, what's his legacy? And why is he doing it? And why is it important? But then the thing that I think that the the film kind of fails to do too, though, is like they do focus on the Dreyfus affair, but they don't focus on the anti-Semitic part about it. Like there's well, that's well, because they did you look into the trivia of it? Not really, no. Yeah, so they were. I was he a producer? Or he was a studio head. He was. Oh. He asked them to remove 
every utterance of the word Jew. There's only one mention of it, and it's when there... There were more. And oh. they were asked to remove them. Why? Because they wanted to appease the Nazi regime. What did we watch? <laughs> <laughs> so this is... I'm going to read you the trivia from IMDb, because mad. it does clarify that. Yeah. Studio boss Jack L. Warner, who himself was Jewish personally ordered that the word Jew be removed from all dialogue in this movie about the uh, Alfred Dreyfus affair, apparently in order to make the drama more universal and not to offend the Nazi regime and hurt business for the film in Germany. However, the word does appear on screen in a single shot of Dreyfus's army file where mm-hmm. the audience can, re- can read religion, comma, Jew. I think when... The actual case, though, is so pertinent to the fact that he was Jewish. Jewish, yeah. It is it's about really, anti-Semitism, yeah. It's really cowardly to then remove it because you want the movie to play well in Germany. You are thinking about this as a woman living in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think any other way. But you should, <laughs> right? Like, you should be thinking Don't about it. Don't tell me it. what to do. <laughs> I, get, I do, like, I, I understand what you're saying in that... Yes, this movie is about anti-Semitism, and it is about the fact that he was targeted because he was a Jew. And that that whole line is essentially, you have to interpret that, and you have to assume that from one single shot. But This movie is I, also about standing up for things that you believe in. Yeah. And standing up for what's right, and like, it is evident that that is what was wrong. I guess, yeah, that, what, what a crazy... What a crazy movie to make in that time. Yes, because, exactly. Wow. And this is right before World War II. So it's the, the, the rise of the Nazi regime in Germany. So then like, imagine if this movie is made like 15 years later. Do you think they would still include it or do exclude it? Let's see what movies 15 years later look like, right? Yeah. Like what censorship and what is allowed and all of that. Like we, you do, I, again, I understand what you're saying, but you can't. You cannot view this movie and say it's cowardly. It's not cowardly. It's what they were limited to and what they could and couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they. you're not allowed to show people like being murdered on screen. Someone commits suicide in this film and it's in the shadows. Is it cowardly to not show the full, you know, extent of someone committing suicide? Or is that just limitations of the time? I don't think audiences are ready for that. Yeah, but do you think they were ready for something as outspoken as, you know, anti-Semitism on film? I want to know what, like, distribution looked like at that time. Why does that matter? Because, like, this is an... um, Is it an American film? Yeah, it's Jack Horner, so it's like... Yeah. Yeah. So, like, why are you... You know, in the U.S., I don't think that as many people might have taken offense with the word Jew being put around as much as it would be in for your European audiences. So, like, how much of that, how much of your European market makes up for your profits? Probably a substantial amount. amount? But I think there were still, there was still an anti-Semitic sentiment towards Jewish people in America around this time, too. Mm. I'm just not as familiar. I'm not either, and I like that's just, that is a bit of a like a guess. But I, I all I'm saying is I think I understand what this movie was doing and why they did it. I think the more powerful movie does address those things. A movie today would. Yeah, a yeah. movie today would, and it's the more powerful movie. And a movie probably fifteen years from then. Let me do some quick math. Hold on, thirty-seven. One, two, three, four, five. The greatest show on earth was the winner 15 <laughs> years later. It's supposed to be one of the worst best picture winners. <laughs> I'm trying to see like what else wins around then. But it's actually, it's interesting. People looking at that timeline now, and we can talk about it when we get there. It's a lot of like fluff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People needed some something easy. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't blame them. They had it rough. Did they? 15 years later? Uh, 15 years before. Like, they've had a rough 15 years. Yes, you know what that's I mean? true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they've had a rough 15 years. They probably didn't make it, let's be honest. <laughs> a lot of them didn't. This also, also made me appreciate modern advancements in a lot of ways. Just, like, in general, watching something that's, like, set in the 1800s but filmed in the 1930s. It's just like, oh, thank God I have, like, a TV in my room and my laptop here. Yeah. And, like, the comforts of modern 
life. I don't think I could ever, as much as I like history and like think, you know, it's an escape, I don't think I could ever. But you always say that, but you wouldn't know any better. I don't think I, I think I know myself to know like, I'd be walking around, I'd be walking around and be like, we need devices where I can call someone whenever I want, wherever. That wouldn't be you at all. (laughs) What would I be? What would I be like in the 1800s? In the 1800s, Mita, you would be a busybody. (laughs) I'd be the town gossip. Yeah, that would absolutely be your entertainment. Yeah, and then I'd be saying, like, we need some sort of way to share, you know, moments, share pictures. What makes you think that you're some, like, early adopter influencer? I'm a marvel in the 1800s, okay? (laughs) I'm like no one else. (laughs) That's what I should do for Halloween. What? I don't know. Be the town gossip. (laughs) You can do that. I already am. Let's be. <laughs> <laughs> it's just regular Mita. What would you be in the 1800s? I, I think know. you would just be a little like secluded and you would have like your books. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd just live my, my own private life with my You'd books. You'd be Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Oh my God, I'd be Belle. Mm-hmm. Little town. It's a quiet village. Yeah. Every there day, goes like the, the baker with his tray like yeah. always. There must be more than this provincial town. There you go. You'd that be would Belle. Be me. Yeah. That's it, kids. <laughs> <laughs> no. I will say, though, that I liked this more than I thought I would. I was really kind of settling in to be like, all right, it's going to be a slog. And yeah. I was, I did find it interesting. It wasn't super long. It was engaging. It was, you know, I- interesting. And once you kind of, I do find with these movies, Once you start to watch and you understand the style of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. it becomes more interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to understand, okay, this is a movie with on-the-nose dialogue, and we're going to do this... Like, ideally, the movie should have done Emile Zola and Dreyfus, like, back and forth, parallel styles, you know, back and forth, to understand how they end up together. But once you start to watch and you're like, okay, this is what it's going to be. And it's going to be, you know, A and then B. And this is how the story and this is how the acting. It does allow you to appreciate it more. I think you do have to remove yourself and your time, like where you are from it to like enjoy it properly. I also think... It's so hard to do on a laptop screen. Yeah, that YouTube thing did throw me off, I will say. Like, I yeah. tried to watch it on, like, a bigger laptop screen, but I still had to watch it on a laptop. Mm-hmm. And it isn't the same. It's le- it's definitely less absorbing. I don't know how what people watch movies regularly on a laptop screen. I feel like, hear me out. This mm. is off the cuff. Mm. I feel like, mm. should I give this one a second chance? Because this week, I couldn't watch it downstairs on my TV. Like, I would have watched it off of my Apple TV. Um, from like YouTube there so I could have it on a big screen but I couldn't because I couldn't go downstairs in my house <laughs> and mm-hmm. I feel like sh- should I give it a second chance and then if I am able to watch it by like next time we record should I see if my rating changes that's up to you I think give your rating as it stands today with yeah your fever view my fever review yeah your fever review yeah I do think, though, if I'm being honest, I don't think... I think the fever makes a difference, obviously. Like, how can anybody enjoy something when they have a fever? Like, yeah, it's not going to happen. I do think for you, though, I think the time frame is uh, still a big limitation for you. It really if, is. If I'm so being hard. honest. I just think it is for you, and I don't... I don't... I think something like it happened one night is an exception. Yeah. But generally speaking for you, it's just... I don't think they click, these movies. It happened one night... Feels timeless, though. Yeah, it does. Like, none of these other ones that we've watched so far have felt timeless. And I think that's the biggest, like, I never thought I would be this person. Because I do think that I am, like, open-minded and, like, not closed off to, like, the world Mm -hmm. that we live in right now. And I do appreciate, like, older things and things of the past. But, like, it just, a lot of them, they feel old. And I don't like feeling old. But I, I think there's a difference between, look, we're going to watch a lot of newer Best Picture winners. Like, is Coda go- ever going to be timeless? I mean, I, I can't answer that because I'm not watching it, you know, 70 years later. Exactly. Yeah. But I think you can, I think we are in a pre- position to predict some things. 
Mm. Like jokes aside, is Crash going to be like timeless? Is, is it going to no. hold the same opinion? I think. You know what I might think will be timeless. Talk to me. Chicago. It I might not Chicago. be Mita. Well, well, maybe we should add that into like our ha- categories of like what we're looking at. Like, is this timeless? Is this something yeah. that? Yeah. I don't know if this is timeless, Emil Zola. I'll give it that, mm-hmm. but I do think. It is a pertinent, interesting movie to watch. And I can see why it won as well. Also, yeah. did you know it won? It was the first movie to receive 10 uh, Academy Award nominations. Wow. Yeah. That's so, so nice so for it. it. Was, it was really appreciated at the time, too. At the time. And I think, I think the other thing I'll say about this is that it's definitely a sophisticated film compared to something like The Broadway Melody. Which oh just yes. see, yeah, and even some even compared to like it is the a, great, it's a film, it's not a movie. Yeah, it's telling a story. It's telling an important story. It's telling an interesting story. It is doing all those things. Even compared to the great Ziegfeld, which is there's no story there. Nothing's happening. There is actually this is a there's a story here. There's something to be interested in. There's mm-hmm. some interesting scenes, some interesting characters. So it it does definitely has things that appeal to the modern moviegoer. Mm. Do you have sequel prequel ideas? I don't because it's, it's hard to do that when it's like a real life story. Yeah. Um, and to like kind of focus on that. I think historically like that time is really interesting. No, I don't really have anything. <laughs> I don't. The French army is like not calling my name. <laughs> being like, no, it isn't. Come hither. But I think I actually thought and this could be my fever talking. I thought wouldn't this be like interesting as a musical, but that also could be because we were talking about you not seeing Hamilton. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was like, what if this was a musical? Yeah, no. But what if it was? I, no, this would not J'accuse, work. J'accuse, j'accuse. <laughs> this would not work as a musical. Don't no, probably, probably wouldn't. No. No, I didn't really come up with anything there. Sorry. I think this is one of those movies I could be persuaded to see an adaption of or a remake of like a yeah and i was thinking like okay if we had modern day you know who could make something modern day? that's my other favorite question to ask yeah. is like what what directors are going to take on something like this and actually be able to do something with it and that's where i kind of came up with the idea of like do i like any biopics like or do i like any sort of like historical yeah. biopics and i can't think of anything that's like oh this is like this tells the story of a time that I would would know nothing about, and I'm glad that I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think could make it? I'm trying to think, and I can't. Right? Like, it's so... It's hard. It's a generic director. It's not somebody who has, like, um, a certain style. Yeah, it would be someone like... Oh, is it... Who directed The King's Speech? Uh, We don't like him, and I can't remember his name right now, but we don't like him. Oh, right? We don't like up. him. We don't like him, no. He also directed Cats. Yeah, we don't like Tom Hopper. Tom Hopper. Hopper or Hooper? Hooper. H O O. Um the Ooh. other person who maybe could do it is Stephen Daldry. Okay. Someone British. <laughs> it is. It's someone British. Someone maybe British. Joe Wright. But then I feel like th- those people are gonna make what we would expect. Yes. Like wouldn't it be interesting to have something I think Joe Wright could do something interesting with it. And not that he would, but what he does with Anna Karenina is really fascinating. It doesn't work in the end. Yeah. But it's an attempt at least. What about Carrie Fukunagua? No. You don't think so? No. Nothing? Nothing? Sorry. Not feeling it. My apologies. I think something could be fun. I think that would be interesting. Like, have you seen Jane Eyre? I have, yeah. I think he could do something. Maybe. Maybe. Or someone like Jane Campion, maybe? Oh. Oh, Nadim, I like that. I think someone... Give her, like, like, French. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jane. (laughs) Jane's good. But first she has to take back her comments about Serena and Venus. I'm still mad about that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go into my rating. Okay, I'll let you. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) So first, the question is whether, you know, this, uh, and you as well, did this deserve Best Picture? 
I do think so. I think this is... Look, I, it always comes back to, like, we haven't seen the other pictures. It's There's The Awful Truth, Captain's Courageous, Dead End, The Good Earth, In, in Old Chicago, Lost mm-hmm. Horizon, 100 Men and a Girl, <laughs> Stage Door, and the original A Star is Born. So I'm curious to know why the original A Star is Born didn't win, but that's because The Life of Emile Zola won. And when you're talking about Timeless, that's really interesting, right? Because here we have a Best Picture winner that we could not even find to watch other than YouTube. And Mm -hmm. one of the nominees has been remade how many times? Like five times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like decades apart. So just because it wins Best Picture, does that make it Timeless? Or does that warrant its clout? Or does that make it an important film? Probably not, right? Timelessness and the test of time, those are things determined by the audience, and the audience decides what's, what the audience likes. And I think we're going to have, as we start to recognize more of the pictures, the Best Picture winners, and the nominees, we're going to see that Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture, and How Green did, Is My Valley did. Can you, the average person has heard of Citizen Kane, probably not of How Green Is My Valley. So... There's that. And that's something I think to just chew on for a bit, because I think it's going to like rear its head a few times. Like, is this timeless? Why did this win Best Picture? I liked this. Mm -hmm. I think I can see the importance of it. I can also see the influence of it on the modern day biopic. And I think that's not something we talked about, that this probably inspired a lot of biopics of the future and how they presented themselves. And I would guarantee someone somewhere can tell me all the shitty things Emil Zola actually did and how they were completely ignored in this film because that's what biopics tend to do. They tend to gloss over the negative things or the dark things that someone did in their life in favor of trying to tell a singular positive story mm-hmm. that can maybe be inaccurate or one-sided. That said, I do think this deserves best picture. I did. I liked this. This was a film that I was happy to see I was surprised by it. I thought this would be a bit more of a slog. I thought it would be a bit more boring. Does it have its flaws? Yes. It's a little slow. Also, like, from a writing perspective, there is more interesting things that could have been done with this story. Those are limitations of the time, I think, and limitations with how those kind of things, like, those kind of stories were told. So I'm not going to hold it against it because I did learn something. And I was actually, there were the courtroom scenes I did find riveted. Like, I was riveted by them. I was interested in them. I was curious to know how this was going to end. It kept my attention end to end while I held COVID. So, like, I feel like that is... The, the, the movie is probably pretty good then. So, for me, I will be giving this three stars. Three stars for Nadim. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, first, before you give your rating, yeah. are you going to watch this again? I think I might. I might give it another shot. Maybe not this week because... Yeah. um. We're trying to take on a couple of ambitious things, but maybe within the next month or so, I might watch it again, and then my review could possibly change. And you brought up something that was very interesting to me, and those courtroom scenes are really interesting. And what I thought was like, wouldn't this be so more, more, I was going to say, so more interesting? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't this be so much more riveting if it was sort of played out Aaron Sorkin style courtroom drama. Like, what if in the modern day, that's what we're looking at? Wouldn't that be ridiculous? That's like a fever dream. (laughs) Maybe Aaron Sorkin could do it. Right? Like a courtroom drama, like introspect of like what's going on. And then like Emile Zola's on the side, kind of just like absorbing everything. I feel like, oh, I, yeah, I kind of, I want to see that movie <laughs> like I would. And I just said uh, my mind is working in like 10 different ways right now. Sorry. That would be a movie. I don't know if it would be a film. Yeah. As yeah. That Aaron would be. Sorkin movies are. They are movies. They are not films. And so I think when you look at Emil Zola and his life and you look at the treatment, it makes more sense for him to have a film based on the things that he stood for, what he wanted to bring to the world um, and how 
how he wanted to go about doing them. I just, I did not find this like riveting in any way, Mm -hmm. except for like the courtroom kind of drama that was there. And I didn't, I think it's just my sentiment towards like all sort of biopics, which is interesting to me because I love a biography. Like I love Mm -hmm. reading a biography or specifically celebrity memoirs, but I like learning about people and like what they've done in their life. And I find biographies tend to look at the bad. They do look at the good, the bad and the ugly. You get like a gist of like everything when they're not autobiographical, Mm -hmm. biographical, autobiographical. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) When they are written from someone else, you can get sort of different viewpoints on yeah. on different situations. And so I like the I like the idea of like these movies sparking an interest in me into like a, a different idea and like taking a look at it on my own. But what it presents to me in itself, I wasn't very interested in, especially because what I find interesting about this is the anti Oh my gosh. Anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. I'm so sorry. It's the COVID. <laughs> It is. It's the cold. It's, and I'm also like sweating buckets right now. Um, <laughs> but it's the anti-Semitism. Like that is the things that I think should be explored and should be looked at. And there should be some more more films about that because it is a large part of history altogether. And that's what's interesting to me. This, while like I can appreciate how the film is made, especially at that time, mm-hmm. it wasn't something that I was one eager to watch and as I was watching it eager to continue so for me I'm gonna leave it with a two and a half for now but I'm gonna watch it again when I'm not when I don't have a fever and when I can watch it not just like in my bed on my laptop and so I'll leave it as that I don't want to go into too much detail because I could possibly change my mind but who knows these days who knows yeah it's like a yeah like I I get it I get why it's there. I get why it won when I'm looking at these other names. Because, like, also when I think about A Star is Born, like, the story is not that riveting. Like, it's... <laughs> but, again, for the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just tired of A Star is Born. <laughs> Overall, is. yeah. Overall, yeah. I do love you, Lady Gaga. But <laughs> I think I'm just tired of it. But, yeah, when I look at the other names there, again, they don't have that weight to them of, like, no. okay... In 2022, have you ever heard of Lost Horizon? No, I haven't. And when I look at all of those, the only one that does stand out is The Star is Born. But nobody can name who the stars of this A Star is Born is. You know Judy Garland, you know Babs, and you know Lady Gaga. But do you know Janet Gaynor? Janet Gaynor. But yes, I'm going to land on two and a half for now, and we'll revisit maybe one day. Maybe my feelings for Emil Zola will change. I'm just more interested in the Dreyfus affair, and I would have liked a movie just on that. Just that. I think the issue is is that you can't have the Dreyfus affair without Emil Zola. I think you can no. have him in it, but I don't think... Like, He's why the one am who I... frees him in the end, right? Like, it's huge, his, his impact. Yeah... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what Meet the decides to make it. Yeah. I'm going to call up Aaron Sorkin um, and be like, look, do I got a story for you? I have an idea for you. Have you heard of this guy, Um, Dreyfus? (laughs) And his affair? But yes, that was The Life of Emile Zola for this week. Yeah. A movie I'd never heard about, but unlike The Great Ziegfeld, I'm actually, I enjoyed watching this. Yes, I did because I did learn something. There is yeah. a takeaway, and I learned something about history, yeah. which is nice. Like it's not like I took away like a a lesson at the yeah. end of the day. I took away some a piece of history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry yeah. for my hot mess review. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I our audience forgives you. I hope so. Mita, before we get to what our movie next week is, yeah, we got a little game to play. Okay. So. I was originally going to have you connect a very simple film. Uh-huh. Because last week, I was I connected... It was Parasite to Cape Fear. Yes. Parasite to Cape Fear. Yeah. This week, mm-hmm. I'm going to have you connect Cape Fear. Yeah. The Martin Scorsese Cape Fear. Yeah. To Joe Wright's Anna Karenina. <laughs> Can I? Timer starts now. I like to go backwards with these. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Anna Karenina is Kira Knightley, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Um, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. And it's Jude Law too, right? Yeah. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. Um, okay. Why am I blanking so much here? Okay. Let's just start with things. <sighs> okay. Keira Knightley is in the imitation game with Benedict Cumberbatch, who is in, um, that's a, a minute, by the way. Oh my gosh, am I done already? Okay, I didn't. Get I'll give it. you another minute. No, I don't think I will. Just try it. Thirty seconds. Benedict Cumberbatch is in. Is he anything with Jessica Lange? I'm trying to like think Jessica Lange to like any of those Ryan Murphy ones and seeing if I can connect anyone who's like in a Ryan Murphy movie or show. Or oh, Jessica Lange. Is in all of the horror stories, basically, with that's, that's Ryan Murphy, who uses Julia Roberts in Eat, Pray, Love, and she's in, um, <laughs> she's in, um, Clo- Clo- Close, Closer, Closer with Jude Law, who's in Anna Karenina. <laughs> that was hard. So, for so me do today. it again. Okay. Jessica Lang is in Cape Fear. Yes. Jessica Lange is a Ryan Murphy darling. She's been in... She's in a bunch of the American American Horror yeah. Stories. Okay, so she's worked with Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Ryan Murphy directed Julia Roberts in Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. Julia Roberts in is in Closer with Jude Law. Okay. Sorry. You <laughs> kind of all over the place today, Mitha. I'm not feeling well. I know. It's the cold. And I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Well done. That was good. Go. That wasn't an easy one. So yes, this week that was uh, The Life of Abil Zola. Next week, Mita, what are we watching? Next week, we are watching You Can't Take It With You. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Have you? I've heard of it. And I know it's Frank Capra. Yeah. And uh, James Stewart. But can you take it? Apparently, I can't. Oh. Yeah. I wonder what it's about. We'll see. We'll see what it's about. It's short. Or it's shorter. It has James Stewart in it? It does. Jimmy! James Stewart. There you go. No, it's two hours and six minutes. Okay, that's not too short. No. <laughs> but that's for next week. Yeah. Uh, Mita, do you have any parting words for us? I do, Nadim. Will you write? No. But I'll remember. Good performance. I'll remember. Are you out of the woods yet? Are you out of the woods yet? Are you- Anyways. <laughs> that's where Taylor Swift got her inspiration from. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for You Can't Take It With You. Yep. Have a lovely week, folks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number 2 Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.